Well, hello, Journey. Seems we meet again, right? Like, it, it, if we haven't met, my name's Chris, by the way. It's good to see you. Uh, if you would think back to four weeks ago, right, I stepped up to kick off this series, I Dare You, and I was just the pinch hitter, right? I was just stepping in, get a few swings in. Well, apparently it must have gone well because here I am in the fourth week, which means I'm batting cleanup, right? They picked me to drive in all the runs, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm kidding. That's probably my last reference to sports, but I'm not going to promise anything. Uh, uh, here we are then moving through a series that we are in fact calling I Dare You. And the premise of this series is that we're, we're revealing uh, who we are as a church, our core values, what makes up Journey Church as a family, which means that it's not just like a dare for me, but it's a dare for all of us. And so far, we've dared ourselves to view everyone that we meet as someone who has the image of God stamped on them. And then from there, we went to this place where Bob challenged us to be all out mobilized for the sake of Jesus. You might have even got a poker chip to remind you of that. And then today what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna dare us to be people of uncommon generosity. And lest you immediately tune out when you hear the word generosity, I want to warn you up front, I'm not just going to talk about money. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually going to talk about every single resource you've ever been trusted with. So it probably won't be easy to relax, and that's why it's a dare, right? That's why we're going to challenge you to do that. And then on top of that, this is the last thing I probably need to clarify before we move forward. I'm wearing a hat, okay? All right, so, so here's why, right? A friend of mine, he, he designed this hat. It's 406 in the shape of Montana, and he made one of them. And all of his friends wanted this hat, and he decided that I would get it. Yeah, so I'm wearing it, right? Because that was an act of uncommon generosity, and it's a great excuse to wear a hat and, and let you all know that that's why I'm wearing it. So anyway, there, there we are. And before we even really dig into what God has for us around generosity this morning, we, we've prepared a video to kind of set the tone uh, for what uncommon generosity looks like. So let's check out the video together. Yeah, that's, that's good. You can clap for that. Yeah. That's good, an act of uncommon generosity, huh? So I'm not sure then where all of you might be at in your spiritual journey or what that looks like for you, but you might know that a foundational part of Jesus' life was generosity. And in being generous, the idea is to give cheerfully with an open heart, just as Jesus, in fact, gave his life for us, which I admit those are very high standards, right, but a lovely gift all at the same time. And so in preparing for this weekend, I started to examine my life and my generosity. And, and there was this place as I examined my heart where I have yet to detect any amount of growth so far. So here, here's the deal. It has to do with a certain drink, right? I have a favorite drink. And that favorite drink is a dirty chai, okay? Which if you don't know what a dirty chai is, it's a, a chai latte with espresso in it, thus making it dirty, Okay, right, like that's my favorite drink, and, and I love them. I know the best places to get them. Uh, I like mine with almond milk or coconut milk, right? And so what happens is sometimes I'm hanging out with somebody, and we go to a coffee shop, and we get a dirty chai, and they don't know what a dirty chai is, and they want some of mine. And I don't want to give them any of mine. I don't share my dirty chais. That's something you need to know. See, because I, I don't understand. If you knew that you would want some dirty chai, why wouldn't you just order your own? 
right? Even if you don't do that, I would order you your own dirty chai so you could have that. If you're not sure if you like dirty chais, then you could again order your own, try it, and if you don't like it, I'll finish it, <laughs> right? Like there are a lot of different options than sharing my dirty chai. Now, I, I, know, I know obviously I, I'm making a silly argument, right, and even being a tad immature at the same time, but the, the truth is that many of us are unwilling to give away the best, right? The best of anything, the best of ourselves or our time or our talents or our money or even our dirty chai, right? Like we tend to hoard those things that are our gifts. We tend to keep them for ourselves because it comes down to us thinking this way. At least this is how I think. If I give you some of what I have, then there's not going to be as much as I want for me in that moment. We're like, that's a real issue. We actually think like that. We think if we give something, anything away, whether it's even our time here on a Sunday morning, whether it's offering someone a ride or sharing our talents or giving our time or even uh, giving money away, right? we think we won't have enough of what we want. Like this could probably be described as the part of our lives that we hold too tightly. And I, and I see these things that we hold too tightly come in the form of three different categories. I see them as our time, our talents, and our treasures. Those are the things we have a tendency to hold too tightly. And so I want, your, I want you to ask yourself this. And I don't want you to think about the person sitting next to you and what you want them asking or what someone who didn't come with you and ask. Like, ask yourself this. What is it in your life that you could be holding too tightly? What is it that God might be asking from you? And as you kind of let that settle in and you reflect on that, I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll dive in from there. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you're a God who welcomes us and loves us just as we are. And this morning I pray that all of us would be able to put aside whatever it is that might be keeping us from you, that we would uh, allow you to have an honest look into our lives and that you would, in fact, reveal to us the things that we're holding to tightly, the things that might be keeping us from you, God, and that we would be willing to acknowledge those things, not because we feel guilty, but because we believe that you actually have our best interest in mind, God. We thank you that you are a God who does in fact have our best interest in mind. We love you, we give you this morning. And God, I know that I can't do any of this without you and your power in me either. So may my words be your words, God. We love you, in your name we pray, amen. So there's this account that I wanna share with you from the book of Matthew. And I'm guessing that many of you have heard this, if not parts of it. It's the story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Right, it's, it's a story of a miracle, right? But I think that there's more to it than that. This one story, actually, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it appears in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I don't know what that communicates to you, but to me that says it must be important. Right? There must be some reason that it's in all of them. And as we find in the other accounts, not the Matthew account, we find that it's also the story about a boy who gives his lunch away. It's also a story about that. And honestly, there aren't many ways to spin this story. It's pretty straightforward. So let's go ahead and we'll turn to Matthew 14, 13. And we're going to start there. And, and before I begin reading that, 
as you're turning there, whatever you need to do. I, I, I want us to try and understand the complexity and the challenge of those moments when God actually asks us for our lunch. Like, I, I don't want to just sweep over that. Like, that is a real-life tension, right? There's this sense that when God asks something from us, right, we turn and ask, if he takes what little bit I have, is there still going to be enough for me? Like, we worry about these kind of things. We ask these kinds of questions. Like, this is a real tension in our lives, and I don't want to sweep over that. So let's look at what Jesus has to tell us through this story. Starts out in verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news... And I haven't made it far again. This news that Jesus just heard is that his friend and cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. But it's not like some lightweight news. Jesus is brokenhearted in this moment. Jesus is mourning the loss of his friend. He's grieving. And so when he heard that news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Right, even in Jesus' grieving and pain, he has time for other people. And then that evening, the disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. Right, the disciples, they bring this to Jesus because they actually care about all these people. Or they care about him. They've spent the day in the hot sun, right, listening to Jesus teach, watching him heal. They've been a part of all that. And they know they can't just hop in the boat that brought them there, right, scoot across to the other side, pick up some $5 hot and readies and bring them back to all the people. That's not an option. I don't know if you knew that. That's not an option 2,000 years ago, right? No hot and readies. It's a tough time, right? And so these, these disciples, they don't have the resources to take care of these people, they don't have, but they care about them. And so they bring it to Jesus. And here's how Jesus responds. It says, but Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. You feed them. Or like there's this idea that actually lurks in all of us. When we see a need, when we do things like this, we're like, you guys should do something about that. You, you know, you should take care of that. Somebody, somebody should figure out how to fix that or make that right or take care of that. We, we point out these things. And so when we see the need, we, we usually then speak just like the disciples do when Jesus would respond, you do something. We go like this, but, but, right? And the disciples, they go, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Only five loaves and two fish. And how often do we say the same thing? Right, we, we, we think, I'd love to do something about that, but I only have dot, dot, dot. And we use it as our excuse for inaction. We don't do anything. We say, you know, but I only have a good personality. But I only have a sense of humor. Right, I'm describing myself. But I only have a few bucks, right? But I only have a high school education. But I only have a little free time but I only have the ability to work with my hands, but I only have, right, dot, dot, dot. And we see the need, but what keeps us from serving God, what keeps us from responding and living out of this place of uncommon generosity is our own sense of smallness. Or like it's hard for us to fathom. 
that God could take anything as small as we are, as small as our gifts, as small as our resources, and do something great with it, do something inconceivable. We can't wrap our minds around that. Instead, we keep asking questions like, how could God ever use me? And when we ask that, and as we keep asking that, we keep holding on to what we have. We, we keep it from God. And so here's what Jesus says to this sense of smallness, to this idea where we say, but I only have dot, 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 right? This is what he says to the disciples. Bring them here, he said. Bring them here. Like, honestly, I could stop preaching right now. Maybe that's all you needed to hear. That's all that had to happen. Like, this is, this is what Jesus is interested in. If you want to know what uncommon generosity looks like, it looks like bringing everything we've got to Jesus. Like, Jesus isn't interested in us reciting, as honestly I'm prone to do, like these kind of things, like, ah, I'm not good at it, or I don't have this, or all these reasons why I'm not qualified. He simply says, just give me what you have. Give me what you have. And I'm not done preaching. Sorry to get your hopes up. I'm going to keep going. All right, so here's what happens next. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. As we know from reading the other gospel accounts of this, like these aren't magical loaves and fish. Right? They're not like the, the magical multiplying loaves and fish that you might be thinking of. We actually find out that the source of the fish and loaves is a young boy. He's the one who brought five loaves and two fish. And when we think about this boy who brings his lunch to Jesus, what is he actually bringing? Right, not just some loaves of bread and not just a couple fish. He's bringing all he's got. That's all it is. Because here's what I notice. Any, anytime we bring ourselves in the form of our, our talents or our treasures or our time, Jesus, Jesus does three things and asks us to do one. So here's the first thing that Jesus does. He blesses. Right, isn't that what he did? Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Like Jesus blesses something small. Jesus blesses something ordinary. Jesus is the one who blesses. Now catch what Jesus does next. Jesus breaks them. He breaks them. And I believe this is always what God does when we give him what we have. So he breaks it. And, and I, I agree, like that's not a comforting thought. And I don't think I'm reading too much into this text to think that this is actually how God works. Right? Like it seems to me that anything that God decides to bless, God also breaks. Like this is hard for us. It's hard for us because we believe that in order for God to use us or use something we bring, it has to be complete and whole and figured out and put together and perfect. We think that that's what it has to be. 
But, but in order for God to bless something, he breaks it first. We assume God wants what's whole and complete for us to be used. But that's why it's uncommon. Because that's not his intention. We, we've got to be people who are willing to give whatever we've got because God's going to use that which is broken. God uses broken things and God uses broken people. And you know why I also think is so essential about this brokenness? I think it's important because it's this constant reminder that the power doesn't come from us. Like we can't take credit for the miracle. We can't take credit for the gift. We can't take credit for the excess. And I do believe that in order for God to use us, we must be willing to be broken. Well, and that's hard. Then here's what Jesus does from the brokenness. Jesus then gives Right, he gives the bread to the disciples. He gives it back to them. Right? He gives it to them. Jesus wanted everything. Right? And so once they gave it to him, he blesses, breaks it, and then he gives it back. Like, because anything we have and everything we have is on, on some level, it's from God, right? It started there. And this is what compels us then to live out the one thing that then Jesus asks of us after he blesses, breaks, and gives it back. Right? So that's the three things that Jesus does. He wants everything that we have so that he can bless it, so that he can break it and give it back. And after he's done that and the lunch is back in your hands, so to speak, this is what Jesus said to the disciples. Jesus says to them, distribute it to the people. Distribute it to the people. Jesus wants you and me to share and give away that which he has given to us. He wants us to be a part of it. right? If you noticed at the beginning of that interaction, when the disciples came to him, Jesus said, you feed them. And after some things happened, it was the disciples who got to feed them. They distributed it. Like that's the foundation of uncommon generosity. Distribute that which Jesus has blessed and broken and given back. To us. So, so stop for a moment again. And in your own heart and in your own life, ask God, like, what is it that I'm holding on to, God? Ask him, what am I keeping from you that you want me to give up? We could all identify that thing in our lives. Ask him what it is that he wants to bless and break and give away in your life. Because here's the thing, like imagine this, imagine with me that you're the boy, you're the young boy with the lunch in this story, okay? See, I brought my own lunch, Chris Townley's lunch, all right? That's so nobody will take it, right? And, and so I brought my lunch. Imagine you're the boy, and you, you have to be the boy in the story, so you've got to think a little bit. Let your mind go there. Imagine you're the boy. Imagine you're holding on to this little sack lunch, Right, and you too have been out in the hot sun all day and you're hungry and you need to eat too and you've got the sack lunch. For some reason, your mom was the only mom 2,000 years ago who knew to send her little boy with a lunch. Right, things have changed. We're growing as people right now. All the little kids have lunches. Right, but, but imagine you're that boy. Your mom took care of you. She sent you on your way and you have your lunch and you need to eat too. And then these men come to you and ask you for your lunch, right? There are probably 12 of them. And they, they came over there and they, they ask you, that's a Bible joke. They ask you for your lunch, right? 
They come up and they, they say, hey, we, we, we need your lunch. And at this point, you're the little boy, right? That's us. And you're thinking, I don't know, I need to eat too. Because at this point, you have no idea that a miracle is about to happen. We've heard the story too many times. We have to realize we had no idea that a miracle was going to happen. Like in that moment, we're thinking about our needs, our wants, our desire, our control. Right? Well, that's what we're thinking. Like imagine if you're the little boy, imagine if you kept your lunch instead of placing it in the hands of Jesus. Imagine if you kept it. Like if the boy holds on to his lunch, he can't be a part of the miracle. Huge bummer, right? Like imagine if you're the boy and you keep your lunch, you forfeit the miracle. You know, he's safe from the breaking, Right, the worst part of that whole process, the hardest part. He's safe from the breaking, but he misses the blessing and the giving and being part of the distribution if he holds on to his lunch. Like, this is me, right? This is us. Many of us know that God is calling us to live as people of uncommon generosity, but we're afraid of what would happen if we let go. How are we going to eat? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to have time to have fun? How are we going to make time for me? Like, we, we have these fears, right? We feel that tension. Because if I'm the boy in that story, maybe for him, because he was a child, it was easy and he let it go, right? But if I'm the boy, I'm asking this question, like if I give you my lunch, strange men, then how am I going to eat too? What am I gonna eat? And so we clamp down on our lunch bag, right? We clamp down on it because we're scared to death that God will take it from us and all that'll happen to us is that we'll be left standing there empty-handed with nothing, like we've got this idea that God's some bully, right? And he steals these lunches and lollipops from little kids and he, and he holds them and he looks. He's like, ha ha, I got your lunch. Right, that God might be like that. Like we think God's gonna snatch our lunch from us and we're just gonna be left empty-handed. That's what we think's gonna happen. But you know what else happens when we hold on to our lunch? We don't have any free hands to scoop up all the leftovers. But our hands aren't free. Like, Jesus didn't just feed everyone, right? And, and, and people smarter than me, they say, Jesus actually fed 20,000, right? 5,000 men, but there were families of people, like 20,000. Like, that's a, that's a decent miracle, right? And not only did he just feed everyone, and they all ate as much as they wanted, but he made leftovers, Jesus made leftovers, 12 baskets full of leftovers, right? And here's my, my simple point, right? Like for a lot of us, we're scared to death to give our lunch to God when the fact of the matter is, if that we'll give him what we have, there will be more in leftovers than there ever was in our sack lunch. Like that should blow your mind. And I'm, not, I'm not saying we're all gonna be millionaires, that's not what I'm saying, right? So clear that out, right? I'm saying there's going to be more in leftovers than there was in your lunch. Or like I have this, this cartoon image in my head of the young boy, right? I don't know who actually went home with the leftovers. It doesn't say. But I'm, I have this image that it might have been the boy, right? And he's like trying to get home. He's like, mom, that snack pack turned into this, right? Like, well, that's crazy. You wouldn't believe what just happened, mom, 
Right? Like, so glad you sent me with the lunch. I was the only one. Right? Like, like I don't know who got them, but that's the image I have in mind. And when we, when we let go and surrender to God what he's already given us, then, then we actually are free to pick up and embrace and, and, and have hold of all the ways that he wants to bless us. But the challenge comes in the breaking. That God would want to break us and tear down the things in our lives that we've placed in higher priority than him. The things that we are holding on to with all our might. That he would want to break that. And honestly, we, we all know it though, right? Like breaking always hurts. But it's always worth it. Because on the other side, God has so much more for you than you could ever imagine, right? If only we'd stop white-knuckling our sack lunches everywhere we go, holding on so tight, like instead of a measly little lunch, right? Because which at the time that we're holding the lunch, like whatever it is in our life, this is the only thing that matters to us. When, when we're gripped onto this, this is the only thing that matters. We think this is all there is, and so we hold it so tightly, afraid there won't be enough. For us if we let go but instead of a measly little lunch God has baskets full of leftovers like God has something better right if only though our hands are free to grasp it and it looks like this right like yeah wake up right like leftovers right leftovers these these are new age leftovers right like I mean now I can grab them this is the last one so I can make a big mess right like Loads and loads of leftovers so that we can actually grab hold of them. Because here's the truth. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You never lose anything you give to Jesus. You never lose anything that you give to Jesus. So here's the dare. I dare you right, right now, we're gonna go before God and pray and ask him, God, if, if uncommon generosity is going to define the way I live my life, then what do I need to give away to you? Ask God that right now. I dare you to ask him God, what, what is the sack lunch that I'm grabbing and grasping that I have to let go of for you? What do you want to bless and break and give away in my life, God, because I want to be a part of the distribution. Take that time with him right now. And I'll close us in a moment.
you continue to take that time with God, I want to just draw our attention to Jesus and the, the ultimate example of uncommon generosity that he was and is. That Jesus first gave up the, the best of what he had, his life, right? He was willing to be broken to like the highest extreme for you and I so that we would have a way to have a relationship with him. Jesus already modeled what it looks like to let go of everything. And that's a true gift. Nothing is more uncommon or more, more generous than Jesus giving his life for us. And I, and I wanna speak to maybe anybody who's here this morning who's maybe white knuckling, so to speak, their life. And they haven't yet handed that over to Jesus. And they, they, they want to say, I'm tired of trying to control it and figure it out and hold on too tightly to it. Today's the day I want to release that and be open-handed with my life and say, God, you've got it. Your son Jesus died for me. Set me free, forgive me of my sins and make me new just as you promised, Jesus. And you know that you need to do that today. Surrender it, give it up, let it go, whatever it might be. And you wanna make the decision of following Jesus from this moment forward with everything you've got. And if you're making that decision today, I want you to know that that's the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole life. Like I believe that with all my heart. And it's so important and it's so powerful that we ask that you just share that with us by slipping up your hand and making eye contact with me. Yeah, right there, right there too. Yep, I see over there, there too. Yep, right here, over here. That you would choose to give your life to Jesus today. That's what that means. Wouldn't wanna miss anybody who's still waiting to make that decision. God, I, I, I praise you first of all for those who are making a decision today to hand over their lives to you. Your promise is to make them new and you are. The old is gone, the new has come. God, we praise you for that, that you are a God who changes lives in just a moment. And God, I also praise you for every else that you're doing in this room and in our hearts and in our lives this morning as we let go of the things that we've been holding on to, the things that have been keeping us from you, God. Would you honor our decisions to be people who are living open-handed to you so that we can grab hold of what it is you have for our lives, God? Would you continue to give us the courage to release it and step in to the blessings and the brokenness and the giving, God, so that we can be used by you? I again praise you that you're a God who says you don't have to have it all together to be used by me. So God, use us. Make us more like you. Would everything we do and would all the, the leftovers that remain in our lives and that we see and that we pick up and that we grab hold of, would it be a testament to, to who you are 
your power, what you've done for us, not anything that we do, that we would never take credit for it, God, but that we would make you famous in this valley and in this world, God. We love you. In your name we pray.